You know, we see a lot of family dysfunction and drama throughout Genesis, but this week, the dysfunction reaches a tipping point between Jacob and Laban. Chris shares a few takeaways from the story that'll hopefully have you examine your life and remember the work of the cross to free us from familial dysfunction. Let's listen in. Well, hello and welcome to Vineyard Online, guys. This week we're going to be in Genesis chapter 31. And just to give you a little little uh, insight into what's coming, we've been in a series going through Genesis. Last week we took a break and we did Be the Blessing. And if you missed that after this message, go back and watch that one. And then uh, next week we're going to start a brand new sermon series called The Skinny on Christmas. And we're going to do that all the way up until Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Eve, we're having Christmas at the Capitol. And I really want to encourage you to come out for that. If you watch online and you're within driving distance of the Capitol Theater of downtown Wheeling, come out. It'll be at 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. at the Capitol Theater. And it's going to be a huge celebration and really start inviting people now. Christmas is one of the easiest invites of the year. And uh, I want to encourage you to be missional, help people find and follow God, start inviting friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, everyone you can think of and bring them with you. It's going to be a fantastic, fantastic service on Christmas Eve at the Capitol Theater. But this week, we're going to continue into Genesis, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 31. We find Jacob, if you're joining us for the first time, let me a little, little bit backstory on this. We have a guy named Jacob. Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of a famous dude named Abraham. Abraham was the, the first God follower after you know, the early parts of the world. And, and Abraham follows God. God promises to make him a great nation, promises him some land in the Middle East that we now know as Israel, uh, has his son Isaac. Isaac has his son Jacob. Jacob's a bit of a, a scoundrel, not really a scoundrel. He's a sneaker. He, he sneaks about and, and he, um, he tricks his brother out of his birthright. He lies to his father. He has a rough start. And, and because of that, he has to move, or not move. He runs. He runs away and he goes over in the Middle East to what is now probably modern day Iraq and he finds his uncle Laban. He ends up marrying his uncle Laban's daughters, his cousins, which would be normal then. Uh, and he marries two of them, uh, which again was not abnormal in that day and age. And, and so, uh, and he spends 20 years there and we're, we're picking up the story at the end of this 20 year period of time. All right. And so in Genesis 31 verse one, it says this, Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. All right, when Jacob shows up at Laban's house 20 years ago, he doesn't have any sons. He has two daughters, and Jacob ends up kind of, kind of be, well, he marries the daughters, but he ends up running Laban's whole shepherding operation, and he makes Laban a very wealthy man. But now Laban's got sons who are coming of age, and they look at Jacob. They weren't around in those early years, and they're looking at as Jacob is growing wealthy in the process, and they want his stuff. And, and, and they're jealous of him. And so they start chatting it up to their dad about Jacob. And uh, it goes on. It says, and Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob is noticing that 
that Laban's attitude's changing. His sons are in his ear talking down Jacob, and Jacob's family is kind of being treated as outsiders at this point in time. And God shows up and says, look, Jacob, it's time to go home. You've been here for 20 years. It's time to go home. Now, there's enough said there, right? God shows up and says, it's time to do something. You go and do it. But Jacob has something that he needs to attend to first. He needs to get his wives on board. And I know it's really weird to say wives because we don't live in that world, but they did in, in that world. But he gets Leah and Rachel. He brings them in and, and he knows, I mean, as a patriarchal society, he could have just said, look, I'm the, I'm the boss. It's my way. Uh, we're leaving. Let's go. But he has to win them over. He has to get them on board or there will be no peace in his household. And so he brings them in and he makes his case to his daughters, or not to his daughters, to his wives. And this is what he says. It says, so Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages 10 times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. Jacob had made an arrangement with, with Laban that look, I've been working for you all these years and I've got nothing to show for it. I, I want a portion of the flock. I want payment for all this work that I've been doing. And Laban said, fine, fine, you can have the speckled ones. Or then, and, and then when God set it up such that all the, the or a majority of them were born speckled, he said, no, 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 no longer the speckled ones. It's going to be the spotted ones. And so he kept changing the rules, changing his payment, trying to trying to kind of out sneak the sneaker, trying to outdo Jacob. And, and every time he changed, God would change what was going on genetically with the sheep and Jacob would come out on top. And so Jacob has grown wealthy. Laban is still a wealthy guy. And, La and Laban is a bit of a scoundrel. So he's got, he's got Rachel and Leah and he's like, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal, ladies. Your dad is a bit of a scoundrel. He's always treated you guys like property. He's taken advantage of me. He's changed the rules on me in the middle of the game 10 different times, but God has been with me. God has shown me favor. God has given me insight. He's, and I've always come out on top and we're blessed because of God. And now I have a lot of wealth and God is calling us back to the land of my fathers. It's time to go back to my father, Isaac. Well, in verse 14, it says, Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Rachel and Leah are like, you know, you're right, Jacob. I mean, he's pretty much, I mean, he's, he's kind of sold us like we were slaves. He's used us. He's not treating us like we're family anymore. But my brothers have kind of driven that wedge in there and we're being treated like we're foreigners. God has taken from him and given to you. We don't have any inheritance with him because, well, now we got these brothers and they're going to get it all. You've been good to us. God has been good to you. We're in. 
We're no longer Laban's daughters. We're Jacob's wives. And if you say, God's saying, let's go home to your father, let's go home to your father. We're in. And so they're on board. And then in verse 17, it says, then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padan Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. But before, before they load up and go, it says, when Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Now, it was common in that part of the world and in that time for, for them to have um, family gods. They, they would worship and pray to uh, their ancestral spirits, and they'd have these little idols that would represent their ancestors, and they would pray to them and, um, and worship them. And so they had these family gods or these little household idols that they would have. And Rachel sneaks into her father's tent while he's out and takes them before they leave. It says, moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, crossed the Euphrates River, and headed for the hill country of Gilead. Now, Jacob's still a coward. <laughs> Jacob doesn't have the, the courage to face his father-in-law and say, look, we're leaving. I'm taking what's mine and going. He had every right to leave and go and take what was his and go. And he didn't have to go tell his, his father-in-law, but he should have. I mean, that would have been the right thing to do, but he doesn't. And uh, he just loads everything up and they take off. Rachel has stolen these idols. Jacob doesn't know that she's stolen the idols. And they head off and they make it all the way to Gilead. Now, Laban catches wind that the family has run away. And so he puts together a posse of family members and they, they pursue them in a chase. In verse 22, it says, on the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and he caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban, the Aramean, in a dream at night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. So God, the God of Jacob shows up in, to Laban and, and, and basically says, look, in a dream, don't, don't, don't do anything here. Stay, because Laban is, we're about to see, is pretty angry. In verse 25, it says, Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him, and Laban and his relatives camped there too. I'm guessing it was a tense evening. And then Laban said to Jacob, so Laban breaks the ice, and this is what he says, what have you done? You have deceived me, and you have carried off my daughters like captives in war. Now, Laban is angry, um, and in his anger, he is not seeing the picture clearly. I mean, his daughters are not in chains. Nobody is being carried off. They have made the decision to go along with Jacob, um, and, uh, and they're kind of done with dad. But dad's mad, and, he's, and, and his, his perception is Jacob is stealing his stuff, stealing his daughters, stealing his grandchildren, and, and, and carrying them off like slaves in war. Not the case. And that happens to us too, guys. When we get angry, 
We don't see clearly. Laban is clear is not seeing clearly here. Nobody's a prisoner, but he is upset. He's upset that he wasn't asked, and he's upset that the stuff that Jacob had accumulated is leaving. It's not staying with Laban. In verse 27, he says this, why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Now, again, Jacob had every right to leave and not tell his father-in-law. Was it the right thing to do? Probably not. I mean, not good relational um, you know, practice. Uh, he should have probably gone and talked to him, but he had every right. It was his stuff. It was his family. It was They were his kids. He was going to leave. Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of timbrels and harps? I would have thrown a party for you. Not. He would not have. Um, Laban is, is, is a deceiver. You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. Now he's laying on the guilt. You have done a foolish thing. And then in verse 29, we see into Laban's real motivation in, in, in his heart. I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you've gone off because you long to return to your father's household. But why did you steal my gods? And now we see what Laban's really upset about. He's losing his stuff, and he sees everything as his stuff. He's losing the household idols. Now, Jacob is still unaware of, of this at this point, but, but he is losing his household idols, and he believes that they're with Jacob and that Jacob took them. He's losing his daughters, Leah and Rachel. He's losing his grandkids. He's losing his flocks. They're not really his flocks. They're Jacob's fair and square, but he sees everything as his. Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, that person shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me, and if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent, but he found nothing. Rachel said to her father, don't be angry, my Lord. I cannot stand up in your presence I'm having my period. I love the fact that that's in the Bible. I just think that's just so, it's, yeah. They didn't, <laughs> anyway. So he, he searched, but he could not find the household gods. Now, Rachel, in, in their, again, in their culture, it would have been appropriate and, and expected that if a father figure walks into the room, the children would stand up, especially the daughters, in, in reverence of the father. And she's like, forgive me, I can't right now. Of course, she's hiding, hiding these, these idols. So let's stop here for a minute. The story goes on and it gets weirder. Um, but, but let's stop here. I want to pull out a couple of lessons for us at this point so far, because I know you're asking yourself, what? 
on earth are we going to learn from this passage? Um, and there are some great lessons in here. And the first one is this. If you have a God that can be stolen, it's not much of a God. If you have a God that can be stolen, it's not much of a God. She goes in and takes these, these little stone or wood idols, and, she, she, and she's sitting on them, right? If you can sit on your God, it's not much of a God. If you can steal your God, it's not much of a God. And, and we think today, well, we moderns, we don't, we don't worship idols, right? We don't really have idols. But an idol for us, guys, is, is anything that we find our worth and value in that's not God Almighty. It, 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 it's something we find our worth and value in that can be taken away or stolen. Your job, your position, your title, your bank accounts, your hobbies, your stunning good looks, your fancy car, whatever it is, your trophy spouse. If that's where you derive your value and your worth from, and that can be taken away, it's an idol in your life. And guys, even as moderns, we still chase gods that can be stolen. Anything other than God that we derive our value from is an idol in our lives. Second lesson that I see so far is this. Godly parents guard their families from negative influences. The last time they tried to leave was about six years ago. And, and Laban talks Jacob out of going. And, and we see this account back in the previous chapter in Genesis 30, verse 25. It says, after Rachel gave birth to Joseph... Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. So he wants to go home. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you that I've, I've prospered because you're here. He added, name your wages and I will pay them. And this is where they make this agreement for the that Jacob would get the, the spotted sheep or the striped sheep or whatever. This is where that all, the, all this begins and where Jacob begins to accumulate wealth, right? But how, how does Laban find out or figure out that it was because of Jacob that he had been so prosperous and so blessed? Well, he finds out through divination. Now, divination is, is like sorcery or witchcraft or consulting with the spirits of the dead, which these little idols represent, right? He's praying to these, these idols. And, and, and the last time they tried to leave, they ended up staying another six years and through 10 crooked deals because somehow, some way, Laban was able to consult these, these, these spirits that these, these little idols represent and get information from them. Now, Rachel and Leah, after living with Jacob for, for these years, these many years, would, would have known that there's one true God who is holy and righteous and just, and that there are lots of false gods, and that that many of them are, are evil and, and, and demonic in nature. You know, there are evil spirits behind what's going on there. 
And somehow Laban is able to get the information from them and stop them from doing what God has called them to do. And she is making sure that they can't do that again. I, the, the, there's, there's no indication that she was, intends to sell the, these idols. There's no indication that she worships them and wanted to continue to worship them. It, it, none of that. I think, and it's just a hunch, but I think she was defending her family against the negative influences of these idols. And God bless the mom or the dad who will stand up against negative influences in their family's life in that day and in this day. You know, God bless the mom or the dad who, who will stand up and say, no. That's a hard thing to say to our kids, isn't it? But no. You know, the, the latest research shows that kids are spending 11 hours a day on their phones, and that's outside of the time that they spend watching television and, that the, and the time that they spend on the computer for school. And psychologists and psychiatrists are telling, and neuroscientists are telling us that this is incredibly damaging to their brains. God bless the parents who stand up and say, no, you're not spending 11 hours, or no, I mean, what? what one of the one of the um, one of the uh, recommendations we're starting to hear is that kids probably shouldn't get phones until they're much older. So God bless the parents who, who says, "Look, you're five. You're not getting a phone until you're until you're old enough to process all this." God bless the parent who says, "No, you can't dress that way," or "No, we're not putting sports before your spiritual development," or "No." You're not putting inappropriate sexual content in my kid's curriculum. God bless the parent who will stand up and defend their children. Say, no, you're not going to watch that movie. No, you're not hanging out with those friends. They're a bad influence. Or no, you're not spending the night at their house because I don't know their parents. Guys, parents today are afraid to say no. But God bless the parents who are willing to stand up and fight for their kids and put a boundary between them and these negative influences. I think what Rachel's saying here is, look, we're following God, and I'm not going to let those negative influences hold us back from what God has called us to do. God bless her. In verse 36, Jake, it says, Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. Now, this is the first time in 20 years after being deceived and cheated and taken advantage of that we actually see Jacob get angry. He finally takes a stand. He finally has, lets his, this righteous anger uh, kind of come to the surface. You know, he's, he, you see the red face, you see the vein bulging in his forehead, maybe some steam coming out of his ears. And you need to feel the emotion in this next part of the passage. He says, what is my crime? He asked Laban. How have I wronged you that you hunt me down? Now that you have searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between the two of us. He's just getting warmed up. He says, I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried. In other words, I've taken great care of your flocks. 
nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts, but I bore the loss myself. One of the things that was would have to happen if a shepherd who works for a, an owner, if, if a wild animal attacked a sheep and and killed it, they'd have to bring the carcass and show it to the, the owner, or otherwise they would have to pay for it. He's like, I didn't even bring you the carcass. I just paid for it myself. I have gone over and above in serving you, Laban, is what he's saying. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. Even after all of that, you, you, you demanded more. And this was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for the 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters. It was supposed to be seven for one, but he was deceived by Laban in that. And then six years for your flocks and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. And Rachel and Leah, are their jaws are gaping wide open. No one's ever talked to dad this way before. Jacob has never gotten angry like this before. Jacob's like, for 20 years, I've broken my body for you. I shivered out in the field while you lived in the lap of luxury off of my labors back in your tents. Your flocks have prospered. I absorbed the losses for you. And everything I have earned, I have earned fair and square and beyond fair and square. And now you're hunting me down? Now you're hunting me down? Are you kidding me? Jacob is angry. Which brings us to lesson number three. Every home needs some righteous anger now and then. Every home needs some righteous anger now and then. Now, righteous is the key word, right? Righteous is doing things the way God wants them done. Righteous anger will defend a family Unrighteous anger will destroy a family. It's important to know the difference. Righteous anger says, we're not doing that. Not on my watch. We're not going there. You're not going to talk to your mother that way. Your boy who wants to be a girl is not going into the locker room with my daughter. We're not doing it. Righteous anger is appropriate. Defend our families. Now, I know some of us are like, well, but anger, that's not godly. You know, the number one attribute in the Bible for God is love. But the number two attribute in the Bible for God is anger. And a loving father must get angry from time to time, must draw a line, set a boundary. And the Bible doesn't say don't get angry. The Bible says don't sin in your anger. Don't get angry unrighteously anger, anger, angry. Righteous anger is the key. Get mad at the right things. Respond in the right way. Don't abuse or belittle, but be firm. You want to test as to, to whether or not your anger is righteous or not. 
Uh, I think this is a great one. If someone else talked to your spouse or your kids the way you do when you get angry, would you be okay with it? And if the answer is no, you're probably on the unrighteous side of anger. But there's nothing wrong with righteous anger. I think for Jacob here, there's a righteous anger that says, this is who we're following. This is where we're going. This is why we're going there. And I've had enough of you stopping us from following God. And I've had enough of you uh, taking advantage of us. And Jacob stands up with integrity. And he declares it so. And that brings us to lesson number four. Integrity gives you the ability to stand your ground. Integrity gives you the ability to stand your ground. As far as Jacob knew, he had nothing to hide. He didn't knew nothing of, of what Rachel had done in taking the, the little idols. Um, and, and believe me, Jacob is not a perfect actor. He, I mean, especially early on with his father and his brother, he made some really big mistakes. But as far as Laban was concerned, for the last 20 years leading up to this very moment, he had acted with integrity towards his father-in-law. Jacob's kids, who have grown up in this, this family, have watched their dad do what is right. They knew that their dad loved God and God loved their dad. And that was gold. And so Jacob puts it out in front of the whole family. You know, Laban brought a whole posse of family members, and he's like, okay, you guys decide. And with great confidence, he is able to say, there's nothing to hide here. There's nothing to hide here. You decide who's right here. When it comes to our families, when it comes to the people that we love and the people that we work with, may we live the kinds of life that speaks for itself. You know, Jacob's kids could look at Jacob and say, you can accuse him, but we know him, and he didn't do that. He didn't steal your idols. I mean, we live the same kind of life that if somebody comes and accuses us of something that we haven't done, that the people who know us best would say, well, <laughs> that's bunk because... I know him, and he wouldn't do that, or she wouldn't do that. Integrity enables us to stand. And it enables, in this case, Jacob to win this, this argument. In verse 43, it says, Laban answered Jacob, the women are my daughters, the children are my children. They're his grandchildren, they're not his children. And the flocks are my flocks, they're Jacob's. He earned them fair and square. All you see is mine. Underline mine. If you have your Bibles out, underline mine every time. So Laban shows up and says, it's mine, 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 mine. But he also realizes that he's not going to win this argument because everybody knows that Laban has been a bad actor and that Jacob has integrity. And so he comes back and he says, yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine? Because they've chosen Jacob. They know who's right and who's wrong in this situation. Or about the children they have born. Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let us serve as witness, and let it serve as a witness between us. And over the next 11 verses, they make an agreement. They set up a pile of stones as a monument to this agreement. Neither one of them are to cross that line. 
Laban doesn't want Jacob coming back and 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 taking his stuff or or, or hurting his family and, and you know so they set up this this line of demarcation and and he says treat my daughters well even though Laban hadn't treated his daughters well and then at the very end of the passage it says early the next morning Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them then he left and returned home and he never sees his girls, and he never sees his grandkids again. And I don't think it had to end that way, but that's the way it ends. Which brings us to lesson number five. Pride keeps us from what matters most in life. You see, if Laban, if, if Laban would have owned what Jacob had laid out, he never denies the charges that Jacob lays out, but he doesn't own them either. If he were willing to, at that point, to say, you know, kind of have one of those moments, one of those humble moments where he say, I'm sorry. You know what? When you lay it all like all out like that, I've I've been a jerk. I've been a crappy boss, a crappy father-in-law, a crappy father. I think there could have been some forgiveness and some healing there, right? probably could have arranged some visits, some you know, summer vacations where the grandkids come back and hang out with grandpa or, or where you know, the, the family comes back for the holidays or something, but no. Instead, Laban responds with everything is mine, 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 mine. It's my way or the highway. And nobody wants to be around that ever again. Pride keeps us from what matters most in life. And lesson number six, leave a legacy of God, not greed. Going all the way back to verse one, it says, Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. The reality check for the boys, Jacob had made Laban a wealthy man, but they wanted all of it. And the reality is, those boys learn from their father. See, greedy parents raise greedy kids, but godly parents raise generous kids. At the beginning of, at the beginning of this chapter, Laban's sons got greedy. That's where the wedge of division in the family starts. Laban was a greedy man. We see it all the way through. Mine, 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 mine. His boys grew up to be greedy men. They wanted what Jacob had as well. We see where their, their treasure is. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And again, may we live the kind of lives that when our kids look at us, they know where our hearts are and they know where our treasure is. And if it's in stuff, and if it's greedy, they're watching and they are learning. Laban lives a greedy, conniving life, and his kids picked up on that. And because of that, he loses the best part of his family. They leave and they never come back. You know, in this life, you can choose to love money and use people or love people and use money choose well. 
I've heard it said that people were created to be loved and and uh, and things were created to be used. And and the reason, or one of the big reasons, our world is in such a mess today is that things are now being loved and people are being used. This greed issue is very real in this day and age. And as followers of God, we get to decide where our treasure is. Is it in God or is it in greed? Now, choosing to follow God brings proper order to all of this. When we choose to, to bring our lives under the teachings of Jesus, He makes it very clear what the, what the priorities are. People are loved and cherished. Stuff is used for good and blessing, and life is full and rich. That's how it's supposed to work. And when we follow Jesus, these priorities fall in place in our lives. And we're able to leave a legacy of God, not greed, for our kids who are watching every step of the way. And that brings blessing. And that brings life. And that brings peace. You know, if I were God, and I'm glad that I'm not, but if I were, I would probably have found another family. These guys have way too much drama for me. They've got some good attributes, but they're dysfunctional. But stepping back a few steps from all of this and looking at the bigger picture of, of the whole story that's laid out through the Bible and throughout history, I'm so glad he didn't pick another family. Because if he can use them, if he can bless them, if he can redeem them, then he can redeem me and he can redeem you. You see, God has a plan for your life. And if you can lose the pride, if you can lose the pride, you can get to the good stuff. If you can come to God and, and admit, I've blown it. I've chosen things over people. I've treated people poorly. I've acted selfishly. I've hurt other people along the way. If you can admit it and not just go, mine, 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 mine. Well, God will rush in and heal and forgive and establish a friendship and adopt you into his family. And there's an amazing life ahead for you. But if you choose to hold on to your pride, you'll never experience that. And see, ultimately, many, many, many years later, Jacob's great, 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 keep going on the greats, grandson is born. His name is Jesus he comes from God. He lives a sinless life and ultimately is crucified on a Roman cross because the payment for all of our sins, and we've all sinned and we all deal with the dysfunction of Jacob in one way, shape, or form, the payment for all that mess was death. And he paid it so that not only could we be forgiven, but we can be given a brand new start, that all of that sin, guilt, and shame can be washed away, and we're given a brand new life. But you have to humble yourself. You have to admit that you've done wrong. And so let me encourage you today, do not let pride keep you from what matters most, but be willing to come to God and say, I've blown it. 
and tell him how. And then invite him into your life and invite him to forgive your sin and to give you a brand new start. And as you do, he will begin to reprioritize your life and you will get things in their proper order and life begins to work better and you will get better at life and you can walk in the blessing of God. If you've never done that, I want you to bow your head right now and just, you can pray with me. Something along these lines, just say, Jesus, thank you for coming all those years ago. Thanks for dying in my place for the forgiveness of my sin. I have blown it. I have hurt other people. I have been greedy. I have had my priorities out of line. And I need your forgiveness. Would you come into my life? Would you lead me? And would you help me to follow you well? In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.